Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. The crimes of Dalin Millar. Hello. Hi. I um. I don't know. I guess I'm just gonna say, hey, thanks for being here. It's part three. Thank so you. It's a long journey to get here. It's still a long, long uh, journey to go. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. <laughs> Listeners, I've prepared a few notes. Oh, lovely. It's our favorite time. Dear sirs and madams, I genuinely appreciate your interest mm-hmm. in our little pod, little pod bean, little podcast arena. And I appreciate your engagement and I appreciate you as people. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But you know who I don't fucking appreciate? Mm-hmm. Piss this boy. bitch of a smitch we're about to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. When I left off in uh, part two, I said we would get to know Mark Smitch Bitch, as Dyson has <laughs> said, the Smitch Bitch of a bitch. I bitch. hadn't said it in the previous episode, but I wanted to say it. So I get to say it now. This guy no doubt had a rough time on the playground. You can't walk around with a name that so easily and readily rhymes with bitch i never thought about that but absolutely fucked fucked i tell you (laughs) you fight here comes smitch the bitch it's just baked into who you are now like yeah i yeah i i I don't doubt that at all i just can't believe i didn't even put that together but of course he got that oh absolutely and his fucking friend turns out to be the kid who fucking walks around from (laughs) french immersion eating dog biscuits like come on Oh, God. I guess with that, should we just dive in? Because I don't think we have anything else to talk about, really. Yeah, it sounds like we're in for a treat. Should I... Dog treat? Yeah. We're in for a dog treat. Kobe's probably like, treat, hmm? Hmm? <laughs> oh, I think he's in his giant box somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta get rid of that thing. Actually, he just went over to the kitchen to go eat, so... Oh, he's gonna go eat his own little treat. <laughs> well, this will be a nice little treat. Okay, so... Yeah, part three, crazy. And I don't even know, man. I think this is going to be... I Last week I said that there would be five parts. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be the longest series ever. But thanks just, for being here. We just keep adding to it each episode. We're like, it's going to be six it's parts. Gonna seven be seven. parts. Oh, part 13. That would be wild. It will not get that far. If it gets to a part six, that would be crazy. But... It's already like this is part three. Mm-hmm. Like before, um, this series, Diet's Love Pass is our biggest series, first three parter, and this is going to surpass that. Yeah, there's just so much to talk about because I want to do this case right and talk about everything. Yeah, all of it, just all of it, everything. <laughs> okay, let's start with a recap of part two because you know information. 
all over the place. Yeah. At the end of part two, Dyson, you were starting to look like my brain. I cannot handle no more. <laughs> I actually just had to pee really bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you okay? You look fidgety. I'm like, uh-huh. I <laughs> just mouth. I have to pee. How about- Ma'am, I have to go. Mega pep. Can't go bathroom. <laughs> In this episode, Dyson, just you're the producer. You can literally just hit pause and be like, "Bitch, oh, it's because I was a producer and I saw the time and where we were at, and I knew you were finishing soon." I, and I was like, "How long was that? An hour and a half last time? Hour and a half, yeah." I didn't even. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Just talking about Dylan. <laughs> okay, recap part two. I started last week's episode. By talking a bit more about Tim, you know, like his memorial service and all of that. I told you that Mark Smitch was arrested and charged with first degree murder in order to appear in court alongside Dallin for the June 13th video conference. As we know now, Mark Smitch is the hoodie guy. Yep. The hoodie dude. Hoodie dude. We talked about <laughs> Dallin, his upbringing a bit and his adult life. He, you know, he was from an aviation family that owned and operated Millard Air and he did not care about that business at all. Instead, after high school, he dabbled in different career paths, ultimately sticking to none of them. And this didn't really matter because in 2006, his grandfather, Carl, who was the founder and president of Millard Air, passed away. And then Dallin's father, Wayne, became president and Dallin became director. Again, he did not care about the business. And instead, he spent his time partying with his friends in Etobicoke. He was also a dealer of weed and MDMA to high school students. You know, that's fucking cool. <laughs> Drug dealing wasn't exciting enough for Dellen, so he started doing other things for adrenaline rushes, like skydiving and off-road racing, and of course, conducting his missions, where he stole expensive oh property. Oh, I can't take this guy seriously. <laughs> he was the Prince of Thieves, Dyson. Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? He was a piss boy and no one liked him. <laughs> In 2012, Dylan became CEO of Millard, Millard Air. God, he became CEO of Millard Air after his father apparently died by suicide. Remember, I told you to put a pin in that. Right. Dylan immediately got to work laying off employees of Millard Air, stashing his stolen goods in the hangar, canceling certifications that were vital to Millard Air's operation, and meeting with a consultant to talk about selling the Waterloo hangar where Millard, is, Millard Air business was supposed to be conducted out of. Mm-hmm. So just absolutely ruining the business. AKA dismantling and liquidating. Just how do you even do that? Like imagine Within weeks. Imagine growing up. This is your dad dying. Your dad's working on this company your entire life. And mm. well, like, you know. But like and then you just fucking ruin it like mm-hmm. a few weeks after his death. Like that. Just and it's obviously for like personal gain. Like you're just getting the cheapest amount of money you could possibly fucking suck out of this thing basically yeah just liquidating it and it's like meanwhile it's like this was a functional business yeah it long- wasn't what it once like, was but it was still it had the working. projections for it you know it was gonna and, survive and we talked about how wayne was building this hangar and doing what he was doing because he was trying to set Dellen up he was trying yeah. to initiate a new way for a millard air to be a part of you know, it was 2013. It's not 1954 when it mm-hmm. was first founded. He was initiating something for Dylan to have to mm-hmm. to to build his life on his career. Yeah, on. and I imagine like I know there's a lot of talk about like, well, he's not like, what the fuck are you gonna do with the <laughs> hanger and shit? And it's like, 
I don't know, man. You're, you're repairing airplanes. You have a hangar. Bring the plane in. Repair them. You're at an airport already. That's a very convenient fucking proposition for anyone with an airplane. Especially with a hangar of that size. I think Wayne's vision was for it to be... You could still do the the maintenance and, and maybe scrapping if you needed to. But you would also have so much space. So it, it would operate like how a marina does where you pay to, to dock mm-hmm. and you could do that for your plane. You could, you're not going to obviously be flying your plane all the time. Not everybody has a place for their plane. Mm-hmm. It's an airport. You can be a customer basically. Yeah. Park your plane in the hangar. Like yeah. there was, Wayne had a vision that he was trying to work out. And set Dallin up, but he died before he could really give Dallin all of that. Yeah, because Dallin was an idiot. And um, I I should imagine like he was going to tell his son, and he's like, "Dallin, son, before you go out," and like his Dallin's already in like a black fight. He looks like one of those burglars from Home Alone. Oh God! And he's like, "What, Dad? I have a mission." Ew. (laughs) He's like, before you go, I have to tell you about the plans for the hang. And then the door shuts. <laughs> Probably. Oh, my God, Dad, you're ruining my life. <laughs> oh, I'm 27. Yeah, he's like 27. Uh, yeah, this yeah. grown-ass man. Oh. Grown-ass man with a walkie-talkie at night doing his wa- missions. Unreal. Okay, so when we ended part two, I talked about how these actions that Dylan was taking when it comes to, you know, basically liquidating... <laughs> all of the assets and dismantling what was just handed to him. Mm -hmm. And these actions prove that Dellen wanted nothing to do with the family business and instead was focusing on getting what he could out of it immediately. And I also had mentioned at the end of part two that there were speculations that Dellen was property rich but cash poor, which is why he would want to sell off the hangar immediately and it's partly why he was orchestrating his missions and i say partly because like we said one he liked the thrill of the missions and stealing but two he needed to sell his stolen shit for cash Mm -hmm. and these missions were conducted with the aid of his friends like andrew mikowski and matt hegerman but dellen's most trusted partner in crime was mark smitch which leads us into part three. Smitch the bitch. Who the fuck is Smitch the bitch? Mark Smitch is a Leo, born on August 13th, 1987, in Toronto, Ontario, and he was raised in a middle-class family. He grew up in Mississauga before moving to Oakville with his mother after his parents separated when he was either in his early to mid-teens. He's been described as the black sheep of his family because he was basically an aimless mess, but he had two sisters who are both like successful and thriving with stable lives and families. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mark Smitch. <laughs> Interestingly, the weekend before Mark was arrested for his part in Tim's murder, he had actually been at his older sister's wedding and he's photographed having like 
a great time. He's laughing. He's smoking a cigar, posing for photos with a wedding party and his girlfriend at the time, um, a girl named Marlena. And like, he's just having a gay old time. (laughs) And his sisters and relatives seem like they're loving and stable, but Mark had a record for petty crimes. Like, drug possession, impaired driving, mischief, failure to appear, and breach of conditions. So, Mm. he's just out here being a little shit. Yeah. At the time he was arrested in May 2013, he had a pending court date for spray painting graffiti on a highway overpass. At this time, the dude is like 24, 25. Like, you're way too old to be doing shit like that. that shit. Like, that's something, like, a 12-year-old boy does. Yeah. Spray painting. Mm-hmm. Graffiti. Yeah. And you're in your mid-20s. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? Unless you're, yeah, not even gang members would do that. They'd leave that to the fucking kids. It's embarrassing. And that's <laughs> what you have pen and court date for? That's fucking pathetic. Mark's main income was from selling drugs and cigarettes. He'd had random jobs, like... He worked at a croissant restaurant <laughs> in the mall. Uh, he had delivered some newspapers. He was painting for a friend's business, like random shit like that. But his okay. income was mainly from selling drugs and cigs. Classy. Also, this is very important. Mark was an aspiring rapper. Uh-oh. This is his oh, dream, no. his life goal. no. In 2012, his friend was in uh, one of his rap music videos, and said friend posted this video on YouTube, and in it, Mark is, like, chopping off body parts of two guys that are gagged and tied to chairs in a dingy basement. What? Like, probably not really, but that's the video. So, of course, after Mark was arrested for, like, his involvement in Tim Bosma's murder, the media found this video and just had, like, a fucking field day with oh it. yeah the game's on at that point and the guy that posted it ended up taking it down because like people are just like wilding out yeah but um <laughs> it was like just wild it out they were yeah like, oh my god what does this mean yeah and it's like obviously mark's not the greatest guy clearly yeah but i don't think the video had anything to do with no it, it wouldn't it's just Other one than, of those like cherry on top yeah. like jesus oh, this christ is, like, easy yeah but yeah, that's his dream. He was making videos, being a rapper. Dyson, you want to hear Mark Smith spit no. some hot shit? No. Yeah, you do. No. Yeah, of course you do. You're going to play it anyway, aren't you? And the listeners want to hear it. All right. Let's listen to some of Mark Smith's rap, okay? It's, it's fucking... <laughs> I was like, I can't even say it. It's fucking good. It's... But like, good. It's a rap. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's like a freestyle session with no lesson, no question. I'm killing you in possessions, it's mine. I'm a killer, check my design. Mountains I climb and throw you off too. Dangle you from the roof, true. Motherfuckers know I leave you blacked up and blue bruised. Who's who? Blues clues. Tell the cops anything and then you die on the news. Peace, bitch. You're deceased, kid. Fuck with me, say 10, the genius. Blue's Clues didn't deserve that. (laughs) No one deserved that, Brianna. (laughs) Nobody deserved that. That was fucking awful. 
I had to hear it, which the, means everyone has to hear genius. it. The genius. You didn't like it? No. What do you mean? I would rather fucking die than mm. listen to the whole album. I would rather fucking die a fiery death than listen to that shit again. While you were listening to it, you're just like, oh, I think a piece of me died. It did. <laughs> did it not when it started? Did everyone listening not just go, oh. Because, oh. oh, yeah. As soon as I heard it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. Everybody knows a fucking guy like this. You're just trying to, like, chill at a party, you know? All you want to do is smoke a little pot yep. or have some beers. And you go outside for a cig, and there's always that one guy who's like, yo, check it. And then just goes off, and you're like, that's absolute garbage. And now I need, like, eight tequila shots to get over what you yeah. just put me through. And I all I did was come out here for a cig. Like, I don't want to fucking hear he's you. He's got his and fucking SoundCloud app up, and he's trying to get everyone to fucking subscribe and play in it. There's always that fucking guy. And then you can't win because then you go inside and there's some guy who's like playing Wonderwall. And you're <laughs> like, Why, what do I do? What party am I even at right now? So then you take the I guitar and you smash it over the rapper's fucking head and kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, you just go all juicy fruit on them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's Mark's rap and he wanted to make it, you know? He was going to make he it. He shouldn't have. <laughs> he really shouldn't have. Close genius oh, uh, he had like a voice crack at there one point not, he was like ahead and it hit <laughs> there was not like a one iota of original shit matt no it didn't make me didn't he was just regurgitating shit he's heard before so you didn't like it no i didn't like it brianna oh, i damn. fucking hated it poor mark so <laughs> you're welcome everyone dealing drugs that was mark's gig you know yeah, and until he could make it as a rapper, mm-hmm. uh, and this is actually the original reason that Dylan contacted him mm-hmm. because he was, you know, like a kingpin among teenagers. Yeah. Initially, <laughs> your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're gonna go far, kids. <laughs> Initially, uh, Mark and Dylan just kind of talked casually, but they quickly lost touch. But then a few years later, Dylan reached out again for some drugs. And after meeting up one night and sharing a joint, they sort of like bonded. Uh, Mark says that he like looked up to Dylan like he was an older brother. Mm-hmm. Dylan's two years older than Mark. And, you know, they did like share a lot of similarities, but they also had a lot of differences, which I guess is why it worked between the two of them. Okay. So they started chilling more often. You know, Mark would go over to Dallin's party pad in Etobicoke to hang out with him and his friends. And they'd, like, eat chicken wings and, like, play Halo and Counter-Strike and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is so sad. This is, like, um, a pathetic version of Richie Rich. <laughs> That's all I was thinking this whole time. I'm like, it's like Richie Rich, but dumb as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> So by 2011, Mark and Dylan were really close. By 2012, Mark was doing odd jobs at the hangar, you know, construction work on Dylan's properties, and of course, joining those famed missions. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dylan rarely paid Mark in cash, but 
he'd let Mark and his girlfriend, Marlena, live in his house rent-free. And, you know, if they needed anything, food, clothes, whatever, Dylan would buy it. And the only time that Mark was actually given cash for the work he was doing and stuff like that was if their missions were successful and Dylan had some extra to hand out. So, like, Dylan was their sugar daddy. Yeah, basically. (laughs) He's like, Mark's doing work for him and getting to live in his place rent-free and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Mark would talk about his dream of being a rapper. Mm -hmm. And he would probably unprompted spit hot garbage you know (laughs) (laughs) fast trash but yeah but dylan would feed into mark's dreams and he was promising mark that he was going to build a music studio so that one day mark could record his debut album you know it's very sweet that's the only way it's going to happen if someone finances a whole goddamn studio to help you because no functional studios ever in the fucking (laughs) world gonna pick you up (laughs) So this friendship that Mark and Dylan had, like, talking about it that way kind of seems one-sided. Like, Dylan's using Mark to do stuff for him and whatever and whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, Mark is getting a free place for his girlfriend and him to crash. Because, remember, if he's not living in Dylan, in Dylan's house, he's at home. Yeah. Like, living with his mom. Mm-hmm. So it's f- definitely better for him and his girlfriend to have a free place place to stay. And Dylan's going to buy you girlfriend, food. girlfriend, too? Oh, God, yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. I don't know. I I'm think fucking embarrassing. I don't really know much about Marlena, but I think she was also a lot younger. Yeah, and, you know, she, without the murders, that's also the key thing. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Oof. I think she was just naive. Yeah, life lesson right there. I hope she's doing much better. <laughs> uh. Um... Yeah, so this friendship wasn't, like, totally one-sided, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, Dylan got his drugs from Mark and basically got free labor out of him. And then there's this one day, and Dylan said that he wanted a gun. Because, of course, he's a kingpin. He needs a gun. And yeah. this was something he couldn't seem to get by thieving, you know? His missions weren't giving him a gun. So Mark was like, I know a guy and introduced him to this dude named Matthew Ward Jackson, who's also a fellow rapper. Do you want to hear? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Holy Christ. I actually don't even have any of his music, um, which is probably the best for everyone. Yeah. Uh, The only, I don't even really have much on Matthew Ward Jackson, except this one photo that's the the like only photo that people use when they have written an article that talk about him or something. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, uh, Matthew Ward Jackson poses with a gun and he has like a quote gun, like up to his face. And he's like posing with a wad of cash that just looks like it's green. So it's probably twenties. Oh yeah. But it's not a fucking gun. Like, what is it? It's obviously a pipe. Oh, like, it looks like a gun, but the top has like a bowl piece. Like it's obviously a pipe oh, okay like you probably hold the gun like you're holding a normal gun it probably has like a little shoddy somewhere and a, yeah a bolt like it's for fucking pot yeah. but all the pictures are like oh god matthew ward jackson poses with gun and wad of <laughs> cash and it's um canadians obviously know our money is colorful like yeah so you can tell 
Yeah. So you can tell what the stack is. And he's like holding the stack that's green. So it's obviously just a bunch of 20s. And he's not very bright. So he doesn't know to like put a 50 in the front. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Flex on someone, put brown, you know, like you got a hundo. Yeah. But it's so funny because I'll show you the photo. Stack of brown. Like people are just <laughs> $100 bills brown, right? Yeah, they are brown. Look at this photo. Ew. And I forgot he has like a gross. Coke nail. A long pinky nail. He's got like a little pimp Coke nail. Oh, okay. Boy. Oh my god, this photo is so bad. Okay, I'll show you the photo. And 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 everyone's like, Oh, he's posing with a gun. Show me this. Okay, here's the photo. Shit. That's a fucking pipe. Immediately, right? You see the bull piece right there. Yeah, that's a and look at the money. It's green. Yeah, that's a that's a pipe, and that's a stack of fucking 20s and this guy's got a weird gerber baby face yeah right that i wasn't ready for he has elongated like a potato yeah and he has the worst tattoos as well yeah so he's got fucking he's bald so he's got like skull <laughs> tattoos and it looks like it says jag you know that old <laughs> 1990s <laughs> tv show <laughs> i don't actually know what you're talking about uh, i better watch my mouth he might smoke me to death i don't fucking know gun <laughs> Jesus Christ! What will he do? Just blow his stank weed out of his dirty old pipe at you? Yeah. Anyway, that's the photo. Oh no, he's holding a gun. What do people taking these kind of photos think other people are gonna think when they see this? Do they really sure. think they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's so cool"? I'm not sure because as soon as I saw it, I cackled. Yeah. I cackled because it looks like he's wearing lip gloss as well. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is the fucking guy. Of course it is. Yeah. So, so this photo will be on Instagram for you to see. But uh, yeah, that's the guy that Mark was like, I know a guy that can get you a gun. It's Matthew Ward Jackson. He's sick. He's a fellow rapper and has a gun and it's actually a pipe, but it's no big deal. He has real guns, I swear. Mm-hmm. So Dellen texted with Matthew Ward Jackson in February 2012. And he actually did end up getting a gun from him. It was a Walther PPK. Okay. And I don't know if that's the only gun that was available or if <laughs> I can see it both ways. I can see um, Matthew Ward Jackson only having a Walther PPK, but I can also see Dallin asking specifically asking for, what, for what this. What does that gun look like? Is it like... It's a James Bond gun. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's like... I can imagine him being like, it has to be a Walther PPK because I'm doing my missions. I'm fucking oh, stealthy. I need a fucking God, James Bond gun. Oh my God, you're completely right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready for this? It's part of the, the text exchange between these two. It's very brief. Oh, I'm absolutely ready for this. I love this shit. Dallin, by the way, is it clean or dirty? Matthew Ward Jackson. Clean, bring her back safe, Plez. <laughs> Dellen, by the time I get let her go, she'll be a dirty girl. <laughs> oh my god. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> this is them texting. What are they the sexting gun? about a gun? <laughs> One of them's jerking off. It's not both of them right now. It's fucking weird. Oh my god. It's so funny. Oh, they're so lame. Oh, it hurts. Okay. Good luck. Another thing that Dellen couldn't find to thieve, because he, yeah. he couldn't find a gun to thieve, he had to get a clean one from Matthew Ward Jackson. Mm-hmm. Something else he couldn't thieve was a large incinerator. Yeah, I can see how that would be hard to steal. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know what? Even if you buy it, it's still hot. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right. So in early 2012, likely around the same time that he was buying a gun. (laughs) Sorry, I can't. I can't take take any of this seriously because they're all fucking losers. Yeah. So likely around the same time that he's trying to buy a gun and with no luck thieving a large-scale incinerator, Dylan was looking for someone to build one for him. Uh, this dude okay. named Shane's Schla- Shane Schlattman worked at the Millard hangar at the time, quote, tinkering on Millard's cars mostly. If something mechanical needed to be done, he was the guy to do it. Okay. So Shane, Shane Schlattman worked at Millard Air, but he'd known Dylan for a, Dylan for a while, and they were also like they were also friends. So naturally, Dylan asked Shane to build him an incinerator. Initially, telling Shane that he needed an incinerator so that he could burn garbage from all of his properties because he was like renovating them and doing whatever. Still super classy. I'd still tell him no. I'd be like, for that, absolutely not. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're just gonna pollute. Right. Fuck you, no. I just need to burn garbage from my properties. But he also offered other reasons. For example, he said he wanted an incinerator to, quote, get into the pet cremation business with my uncle. You know, the really lucrative pet cremation business. And and well, I don't even need to say understand. this. You gotta understand, you're dealing with people who want to be friends with Dellen. The bar for their IQ is probably below the floor i agree yeah so he's like i need this to burn garbage i'm just kidding i have to get into the incredibly lucrative pet cremation business with my uncle and like i don't even have to say this but like obviously his uncle was like what the fuck are you talking about i need you to build me a pet cremation i need you to build me an incinerator because i just saw stephen king's pet cemetery and absolutely not Glad you got there. <laughs> but his uncle was like, that's not even a thing. Like, no. what the fuck are you talking about? That was later. But um, alternatively, Dylan also told his girlfriend. Uh, yes, he had a girlfriend. Her name is Christina Nudka. So he told Christina that he needed an incinerator so that he could melt down metal from his airport business. So he had just had r- reasons flying out of his several reasons for me to have this okay it's perfectly fine i need it to burn garbage i mean i'm in the pet cremation business i mean i have to burn metal down from my airport business yeah so everyone was just like okay sick whatever ultimately you know shane obliged he did create an incinerator for him and it was this crude like rocket looking thing Mm mm-hmm it was uh, three of those like oil drums, like fifty gallon drums or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. They three of them welded together, like stacked on top of each other, so okay. it was really tall, and it had these weird little feet on it that it actually just looked like a shitty rocket. Oh God. And Shane said that the first time he tried to ignite it, it like practically blew up in his face oh fuck like it was a piece of shit yeah so, and of course Dellen sees this and he's like oh this won't do so instead he's like you know what shane can you just look into professional livestock incinerators for me get me something 
good. Thanks so much for building this piece of shit, but that's not going to do for me. So mm-hmm. your project now, find me a professional livestock incinerator. Yeah. So Shane ended up finding the Eliminator, which is the um, incinerator that he purchased, obviously with Dallin's money, but it was Shane that was kind of, uh, what's the word, like procuring everything. Oh, procurement, yeah. And he purchased it from a man named Bill Penner of <laughs> TriStar Dairy Hog and Poultry. It's- <laughs> Penner's got the hog. Yes, he does. He's gone into business with semen. (laughs) Oh, good God. (laughs) So the Eliminator is a huge $15,000 incinerator. And we talked about it in part one. $15,000 for this incinerator. And we talked about it in part one. It's like the one that was used to cremate Tim. Mm -hmm. And... We mentioned, I know I was talking about how tall it was, that it's like practically from the floor to the ceiling in this apartment. Mm-hmm. I found that the, the exact measurements and weight and stuff. Yeah. So it's three meters tall, which is nearly 10 feet tall. Yeah. And it weighed 2,720 kilograms. Whoa. So that's almost 6,000 pounds. Whoa. This thing is fucking huge. Yeah. And it, apparently can cremate up to 225 kilograms, which is almost 500 pounds of what's what's said as animal carcass, because that's what it's for. It's a livestock incinerator. So it can burn almost 500 pounds of animal carcass in a couple hours. Like this thing's not fucking around. Yeah, this thing's industrial. So Shane got that. That was his project. Give me an incinerator because it's for garbage or pet cremation or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. But when he got the eliminator, that wasn't just enough. Like, Dellen had more that he wanted. Dellen wanted the eliminator to be mobile. It needed to be on a trailer with propane tank and a generator so that it could be towed wherever. That's a red flag. Right. Yeah. With these modifications that Shane had to do, the eliminator ended up costing over $23,000. Jesus Christ. So I don't know how Bill Penner knew, like if Shane was updating Bill on what was happening with the incinerator. I'm not positive. I'd like to talk to you about the incinerator file again. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Bill somehow, however it happened, caught wind. And he had said that he'd never seen or heard of anybody modifying an incinerator. It's, outrageous it's bizarre to him yeah so when he heard like what shane was doing like putting it on the trailer and getting it all pimped out basically mm-hmm. he asked shane for photos because he was like the fuck are you talking about you're doing this with an incinerator that's wild i want to see photos this is crazy because mm-hmm. it is crazy yeah it's ridiculous it's like, who who's doing this so that was, you know, part of his little project there was to get the Eliminator. Put her on wheels, you know? It's, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking ridiculous. It's such a red flag in retrospect. Like, well, why else would you want it on fucking wheels and mobile like that? I know. And that just makes you wonder, like, these are people that are always around Dellen. So, like, he just must be the fucking weirdest guy. He's always doing something bizarre. He's always putting his attention and his money into really non-productive things. I could see Dylan totally telling this guy. If he's like his friend, um, I'm assuming this guy's also a skis. Shane? Just, yeah. 
I don't really know. I think I think I don't think he's a skis. I I obviously don't know Shane. I don't know much about him. Mm-hmm. I think you're kind of on to something. I don't mean to offend people, but like I don't think people are the brightest. Yeah. To be friends with Dylan or they like that um like Dylan's using people. Yeah. I think people use Dylan as well. Oh, so absolutely. I think you're either like really dense or you don't care to be his friend because you can get stuff oh, out of so it. Oh, so it's too. like one of those like what the fuck ever, like sure I'll do it. Yeah, so I don't think I don't think Shane Schlattman is a sleaze. I just think he had a good gig going and maybe he was a little dense, I'm not sure. Yeah. I really yeah, don't yeah. know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your buddy? Do you like cracking jokes and having a good time? Do you just like fun? Well, consider checking out Spoils of Horror. We are an hour-long podcast that comes out every single week. We're not doing reviews. We're just going to hang out, talk about the movies we love with each other, and hopefully the ones you love too. Covering everything from the popular, the lost, the forgotten, and the bizarre. If you're looking for a good podcast and a good time, you're going to want to check us out. We're on all major podcasting platforms, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Check it out. We'll see you there. Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Tell more crates. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. In last week's episode, so in part two, I had mentioned that alongside Dellen's love of missions... He had also developed this, like, obsession with off-road racing. And this seems random, but it's actually so important to the story. In 2011. Because he likes racing, he likes missions, he was actually Jason Bourne. It was James Bond, actually. Right, right. (laughs) In 2011, Dylan and some friends prepared to compete in the Baja 500. Uh, If you'll remember... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we were making fun of his tattoos. <laughs> so these races were established in 1969, and the Baja 500 is one of more than two dozen world-famous competitive race classes. I'm just telling you this because I had no fucking idea what Baja 500 was. <laughs> I had to look it up. According to Wikipedia, the Baja 500 is a Mexican off-road motorsport race on the Baja California Peninsula that is sanctioned by SCORE International. SCORE, 
stands for Southern California Off-Road Enthusiasts. The course has remained relatively the same over the years, with the majority of events being a loop race, starting and finishing in Ensenada. Race courses mileage race course mileage varies and is usually slightly under 500 miles. The event includes various types of vehicle classes, such as trophy trucks, dirt bikes, truggy, Baja bugs, buggies, and custom fabricated race vehicles. Okay. That's what I I'm mean, about. like, if we weren't associating with what we're associating, it sounds like a fun time, to be quite honest. Yeah, you it know, does. Be, be a blast. I don't know what a fucking trophy truck is, but... It's like a monster truck. Oh, okay. That's fucking it's sick, like Brianna. beefed <laughs> up, and then dirt bikes are dirt bikes. And then what was the... the the truggy? Oh, a truggy is a, I'm pretty sure, a truck buggy, a hybrid. Oh. So. Mm, all right. I mean, desert cars, you know? Yeah. It's desert racing. Yep. So that's what Dallin was really into, apparently. Mm -hmm. He wanted to compete in this Baja 500. So 20, 2011, by God, he was going to do it. <laughs> so Dallin... Andrew Mikulski, one of the friends I talked about in part two, and Sh Shane Schlattman. Yeah. They worked on customizing Dellen's black and yellow Jeep for this race. As we know, Shane is like the mechanical friend that also works in the hangar, but is friends with Dellen. So he was the one that was going to do the majority of work on this Jeep. And he ended up making $80,000 worth of modifications to the Jeep, including beefing up the air conditioner. Because, <laughs> you know, well, what? you know, you're in the, in the Baja 500. You're in the Mexican California Peninsula. It's hot as shit. You got to yeah. be really nice and cold in that desert sun. You'd be $80,000 worth of cold. No, that's just part of it. Yeah, yeah, all right. So the trio, Dell and Andrew Shane, they made the 5,000 kilometer drive or the 3,100 mile drive to participate in the race. Dallin might have had the money and the friends to help him pimp out his Jeep, but he was not a professional racer, a professional driver at all. Oh my God, he was bad at this on top of all of this shit? Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this is... Like, pretty much 500-mile race. Yeah. 25 kilometers or 15 miles into the race, he shredded the bottom of the Jeep on some harsh terrain. And Shane couldn't get the Jeep running again in a timely manner, so the race was over for them. Oh, my God. All of that time and money to modify the jeep to drive there they had they're canadian they're from fucking toronto area or waterloo whatever yeah and they had to drive all the way through the states and the, we're like central ish more eastern central mm -hmm. and they're going to like the california mexican peninsula so they're driving all across america that yeah. way five thousand kilometer drive to get 15 miles into the race and shred your Jeep. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so, it, I mean, surprisingly, not surprisingly, I don't really know. Dylan didn't care. He didn't care that this happened. He got that dog shit desert Baja racing tattoo on his out, outer left bicep. Yep. 
Andrew got the same tattoo, so now he has matching tattoos with tattoos with Dallin forever. <laughs> and Dallin was determined to do the race again in the future, but he needed to make some changes and prepare better. You know, like learn to fucking drive off road <laughs> before you enter a goddamn race. <laughs> it's sad too because it's not like um you don't know what you're doing or where you're going i literally read in that description that the race has changed very little and when you go on to the score international website where it has like the all of the different baja races mm -hmm. it is like 20 plus links of like registration details course outlines read like every single thing to do with the race so he could have intently studied the route that this race was going to take mm -hmm. and have been like an expert at it he still managed to destroy he's not a fucking, he's a fucking idiot i know so he just went in there and fucking just just winging it it's so sad fucking pathetic so Dellen had um brought the jeep to the race on a trailer hitched to his red dodge pickup truck which was horrendous on gas that dodge pickup truck sucked mm-hmm so for their second trip, because, you know, he's trying to prepare better for the next Baja race, he decided that he needed a diesel truck to tow the Jeep, which would cut down significantly on the cost of fuel. Oh, my God. And he specifically wanted a diesel Dodge 3500. That's what he wanted. Yep. In February 2012, he sent this text to Mark. Smitch bitch. Next on the list, getting you a G1, sound equipment for recording, NAB a Dodge 3500, sell the green Jeep, NAB a Narca 18 sailboat. What the <laughs> fucking, like, this isn't real life. This is fucking ridiculous. A month later, Dellen mentions getting a truck again to Mark. I think we can grab that truck I need before I go to the States next. They're common enough. It doesn't have to be that one. It just has to be a Dodge 3500. Red's just a bonus. Oh, oh he had to have... It's, the, it's that he had a preference. <laughs> he wanted Blows my mind. Mark Rare replied to this text. We need a proper plan, though, so let's work on that. We can't make any mistakes. <laughs> great, great voice. Thanks. I didn't want it to sound like me. So <laughs> when Dallin is saying... It doesn't have to be that one. I assume that he like sent a photo or something mm -hmm. and it was, yeah. it was a red truck. Yeah. I don't know. But um, he knew he needed a Dodge 3500 and it had to be diesel. So the plan was originally to nab or thieve a diesel truck during a mission. Dallin would look for trucks online like that were for sale on places like Kijiji, Auto Trader, that kind of thing. Yeah. It, with the intention of stealing the truck. But it never happened because they either ran the risk of getting caught or seen or something like that, mm -hmm. or the truck that they had scoped out to go and steal would have been moved somewhere or already sold, so they could never get their hands on the diesel truck that they wanted. Right, okay. So thieving wasn't working for them. So they changed their plan. And this is when Dellen set up a burner phone under the name Lucas Bait. And began arranging meetings with sellers. Okay. 
As we know, Dallin set up multiple test drives with different people selling diesel Dodge 3500s. We talked about this in part one. Uh, he got uh, Igor Tumenenko. He's that scary military built like concrete guy. Yeah. And I had said that the first test drive they were supposed to go on was with that guy that they either were late for or the guy fell asleep or whatever. Yeah, he fell asleep, yeah. And I wasn't sure which one it was. Yeah, yeah. But fairly confident. I have found it. So this guy's name was Omar Palmili, and he did fall asleep and he missed the call. That's so fucking so fortunate. I found his name and what happened. So Omar Palmili fell asleep, missed that call, didn't end up going on a test drive. Mm. So yes, he was lucky. But sadly, we know Tim Bosma was not as lucky. He was the one that actually went on the test drive and ultimately was murdered on yeah. May 6, 2013. So when you have the police doing these like press conferences and everything like that, giving updates and obviously the media is and the family of Tim is saying like, what the hell happened? What's the motive? What's the reason? Um, this is, this is the reason. This is the motive along with Dallin just being an absolute demented sicko yeah who gets a thrill out of hurting and stealing from people ultimately he wanted to get his stupid fucking racing car across the states in a manner that would save him however much money not that much yeah. but if he had a diesel truck he would be able to tow his stupid racing truck across the states apparently easier and that's the motive Such a fucking garbage reason for murder atrocious reason yeah he wanted a diesel truck and he had his fucking heart set because he liked his dodge 3500 but it was a gasoline truck mm -hmm. so he knew that he needed the same truck that he was obsessed with and the only thing is that it had to be diesel so that's unfortunately the reason that tim died so that they could get their hands on a diesel truck and that's literally it. Throw, throw him in the fucking incinerator. Right. Throw Dellen and Schmitz the bitch into the fucking incinerator. It's, that's fucking trash, man. It's awful. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. And it's also a, a, I know you've always said that that's a point that's always missed when, whenever other people are talking about like, why did, why did he maybe, like, what is the reason, reasoning behind the murders mm -hmm. is always seems to be like, well, they're fucking freaks and they wanted to do this for like a thrill. And they always seem to miss the, no, like the truck was also like actually something they wanted. Yeah, there was a reason. It's not a good reason by any means. It's mm -hmm. a stupid reason. It's a vague reason. It's a pointless reason. Yeah. But it wasn't, there's no reason. They took a test drive and decided to shoot a man that day. Yeah. It's like, that's, it happened that way for sure but the reason was they wanted their hands on a diesel truck yeah that exact model mm -hmm. mm. it's fucking stupid it's infuriating but i gotta get to the baja 500 it's but just, gas is so much i guess i'll just get diesel it's that these and these it's these fucking people man like it's the type of people they are that you're just like oh god you just scum of the fucking earth and you just took like a, you just took someone's dad. You took uh, someone's and son, husband, husband, 
brother, father, yeah, a man that people truly only had good things to say about, except Charlene when she's joking about his socks and his dishes. Yeah. Other than that, that's not even anything bad. Yeah. People loved Tim. Mm-hmm. And he died because some two fucking dinguses wanted a diesel truck. Yeah, two just absolute fucking shit stains. Ridiculous. Heartbreaking. Yep. There are four versions of what happened to Tim that night, which we'll get into when we discuss the trial. Um, basically, there's Mark's version of what happened, Dullin's version, the Crown's version, which for our American listeners is like the prosecution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't have like Queen Elizabeth on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just when you're talking about the prosecution or the the state, it's the Crown. The Crown's version, and then the actual truth. The truth we'll never really know for sure, because Tim is dead. He's the only one that would tell the truth as to what happened in the truck that night. Mm -hmm. But for sure, all we know is that Tim died in his truck, and he was shot. That's pretty much all we know at this point. So, with Tim dead, Dellen ditched because Dylan was driving tim's truck he ditched tim's phone on the lawn of camira water solutions on oak park road in branford and then drove tim's truck to the hangar in waterloo while mark followed in Dylan's suv as we know before the cops are like we got smitch we got millard where's the third person mm -hmm. there's no third person no third person mark was in that suv so the truck went into the hangar and Tim's body went into the eliminator. The two worked on stripping the interior of the truck, which would have been just covered in blood and whatnot. Yeah. And they um, even took out the seats, as we know, when in part one, when the cops went into the trailer and they found Tim's truck in there, it had been like stripped. Mm -hmm. So that was because Mark and Dallin were busy at work stripping it. Once the eliminator had cooled down, they moved it from the hangar to the farm where they burned what they could from the truck in the field. So they had left behind like these burn patches from okay. like, you know, the seats and other things that were inside of the truck that would have been just covered in blood. Right. So they just went to the farm and were just having a bonfire, basically. They didn't throw it in the incinerator. No, because Tim was in the incinerator. Oh, okay. And you can only. I mean, that. there okay. wasn't really much left of him because yeah. he was burned beyond recognition. But these two are little fucking shit stains. They're yeah. probably scared to open it. That's true. They're yeah. probably like, well, we put him in there and it's probably done its job. But they were probably pussies who didn't want to open it again just in case yep. they saw something scary. Yeah, yeah. So in I case they saw what they did. Yeah, so I can imagine Fucking that they assholes. were just like, let's, I mean, we got 100 acres to work with. We'll just go bare minimum into like this shitty cornfield patch, basically, and just start lighting shit on fire. So there was like burn patches left behind from where they obviously had burned the seats. Yeah. Perfectly visible for when, as we talked about in part one, you had investigators and stuff out there mm -hmm. so it was so easy to see where they had literally burned evidence like it's like one of those things where if a cop walks onto the scene they see burn marks they're like 
oh. guess I know where we start. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's not like it was hundreds of kilometers out in this hundred acre hundreds of kilometers no but you know it's not yeah, like it was yeah. way out in the middle of nowhere like i had mentioned this area has swamps and forests and all of that it's mm-hmm. like right there like stones throw away from the actual barn Abs- it just shows like they were so absolutely co- well i actually i don't fucking understand it at all i don't now. think they actually thought about anything yeah that's the thing they didn't fucking think about it because i was gonna say like well maybe they were just really confident that they were never going to get to the point where they're going to be investigating and then it's like i think that well, at that point like why did they it. Why did they even get the fucking incinerator all this shit if they didn't, like, know, like, we had to fucking hide shit? Well, that's the thing. You, you go know? through to these extremes. Yeah. But then you go, you're also lazy as fuck. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, good. It's good. Oh, absolutely way. fantastic. But it's, on if you were on their side or something, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You dumbass. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> good, I'm glad you're fucking stupid. Just just you could see it coming a mile away even with when he was the ceo of whatever yeah like he was literally set up with like everything to succeed and then just fail because he's lazy as shit idiot yeah he was like how can i actually just get some cash i don't really want to actually do anything yeah i'd rather party with my teenage friends (laughs) so yes they uh ship the car burn the evidence from the car in the field right there (laughs) i'll post some pictures um of the burn patches and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then Dellen contacted a company that he had previously worked with and this company had done paint jobs on other um vehicles that he owned so he wanted to see if he could bring you know his new truck in <laughs> i bet that he uh, wanted to paint it red <laughs> i be yeah, i bet you're right he did 100 percent, he did so, yeah, he's like, I got into Chuck I like, bring it in. It's a paint job. He never brought it in. Yeah. He just asked. I don't think they got back to him it's, in time. This dumbass probably would have brought it in all stripped like that with no plates. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. So, early on May 7th, this is the morning after Tim's murder, Dellen sent a group text to his Millard Air employees telling them not to come into work that day, which was unusual because... No one really works. They kind of just all hang out in the hangar and do odd jobs on some cars and whatever. Mm-hmm. So people were like, that's unusual. Yeah. But Dellen's text just said, airport politics. Nobody goes to the hangar today. Not even to pick something up. Airport politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone was like, that's weird. Is this guy actually going to do something for real for once? Nah, something must be going on. This is strange. Yeah. You know, everyone listened, though. May 7th, no one went to the hangar because airport politics. On May 8th, though, one of the employees, who's actually Shane Schlattman's father-in-law, a man named Arthur Jennings, he also works for Millard Air. Okay. So Arthur Jennings, he goes into work as usual. The first thing he saw when he entered the hangar was a black Dodge 3500 parked on a green tarp (laughs) this is the next day two days after this is two days after tim's been abducted okay it's like a day and a half basically because tim was taken so late in the night Mm -hmm. the next day was may 7th and that's when dylan was like nobody goes to the airport hangar yeah but he didn't say anything about may 8th so yeah yeah yeah. that's what i was 
So yeah. So he just kept it there though. So Tim's disappearance had been all over the news at this point. Like yeah. we talked about, it. it was immediately an investigation was initiated. It it took off. Missing posters, news coverage, all of that. Mm-hmm. Two days in, it was everywhere. And Arthur Jennings had wondered if this truck he's staring at could be Tim's missing truck. Arthur later said that just seeing it made his skin crawl and he avoided it the entire day because mm-hmm. he's he's like, I mean, my gut is saying, is this? But like, how could it be? That's crazy. That's crazy. So he ended up talking to Shane about it, who's his son-in-law and Dylan's friend. And Shane said, like, Dylan told me that he bought it from this guy in Kitchener. Like, you're being crazy. This has nothing to do with Tim Bosma. Yeah. But Arthur still has, like, this nagging feeling. He did not believe the story. And he was in the hangar. He saw the truck. He saw that it was stripped. He saw that the plates were missing. And for the rest of the day, Arthur said that he couldn't stop thinking about the truck. And thinking about how Charlene has been plastered all over the news, pleading for her husband's safe return. And he had just had like in the back of his mind like he's hoping that Dylan hadn't you know gotten into anything serious but it was nagging at him mm-hmm. so the next day may 9th the truck was still on his mind he's still thinking like what if mm-hmm. like what if so he got up extra early to get to the hangar before everyone else could get there and he immediately started taking photos of the truck and of the vin and he ended up calling Crime Stoppers in Brantford because of on all of the missing person posters at that time, the phone number to call was Crime Stoppers in Brantford. Okay. So that's why he called Crime Stoppers in Brantford. And he asked if they could check the number he had against Tim's Dodge. And that gut feeling that he had about the truck was obviously confirmed. It was Tim's truck. Arthur said that when he heard that the numbers matched his mind was just racing and he said that he had to run outside the hangar and he ended up puking everywhere yeah um before he had a chance to tell crime stoppers that he was like literally looking at the truck like he hung up and he went outside and he was just sick yeah and especially because like it's shocking and at this point for a day it's it's bothering you you're like my every fiber of my being is saying this is bad. This truck has to be Tim Bosma's, but you're ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And he said that, like, obviously the situation is overwhelming. It's shocking, but he was also worried because he, it's him and his son-in-law. So it's like a family that works for Dylan, works with Dylan. The hangar is in the the truck is in the hangar that they both work in, and then on top of it, Shane is actually Dylan's friend. Yeah, you so, got like a personal tie to this as well. Yeah, so just in general, he was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Later that day, Arthur did tell Shane about the truck and that he saw the VIN, he called Crime Stoppers, and it matches. Initially, Shane was in disbelief. He was even a little bit angry that Arthur would call Crime Stoppers because in his eyes, Dylan would never have willingly gotten himself involved in anything so horrible. Plus, Shane uh, 
when he had asked Dylan, like, oh, where'd you get the truck and whatever, like, he had told him that he just bought it from a guy in Kitchener. Right. So initially he was like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, that's horrible. Like, of course, Dylan wouldn't do something like that. He got it from this dude in Kitchener. It's no big deal. Like, why are you blowing it so far out of proportion? Right. And Shane ended up telling Dylan that Arthur had contacted Crime Stoppers. But Dylan outwardly played it cool. You know, he was sticking to his story. I want to just... smack Shane. I know. Like, real hard right now. I know. So... Dylan stuck outwardly, like I said, playing it cool, sticks with the story. No, like, I got it from a guy in Kitchener. Don't even worry about it. Like, it's cool. Like, whatever. But internally, Dylan was shitting his jeans. Yeah. He was shitting his jeans. Now Dallin knew that Arthur had called Crime Stoppers and he had to get the truck out of the hangar quickly and begin covering his tracks the best he could. Because, you know, terrible. <laughs> After everything that happened with Tim, him and Mark were just lazy and just it just blows my mind. It, like, I know. Did, is this person even capable of understanding what they've done? Like, if they're this nonchalant and lazy about everything? I think it just goes to show that he's just not on the same level as other people. Like, he literally thinks that he's untouchable and what he does will go unnoticed because he's Dylan. He's a fucking idiot. I know. So Dylan and his girlfriend, Christina, got to work that same night, which is May 9th. Dylan goes and picks up Christina from her home in his red Dodge pickup. He's towing a large trailer. As we know, that trailer has Tim's truck inside. And that's when they go and drive to his mom's house in Kleinberg. They park the trailer in the driveway. And when they do that, his mom's asking him like a million questions. Uh, but Dylan would not tell her what was in it, why it was parked there, none of that. And then if you'll remember the trailer with a door to enter it, it was padlocked. So even if she mm -hmm. wanted to look inside, she couldn't. Right. Okay. And then also remember that police were um, adamant and told the media that his mom had no idea what Dylan had done. She had no idea about any of this. He just showed up with a trailer, parked it there. And then what the fuck are you supposed to do? You just have this giant ass trailer in your driveway. Yeah. You got to imagine at that point, the cops were probably just feeling bad. Like, oh, man, like uh, she's. Uh, your son's Dylan. Oh, and we no. have to like make an announcement about finding the truck on your property. But like, actually, you didn't know you were just some mom. So I know, you know, like, why would you your think it's Dylan? Yeah. Dylan and Christina then drove to the farm in air. By the time they got there, it was really late. They put on black gloves and moved the eliminator out of the barn into that like forested tree line dirt road area that I had talked about in part one where it was like, you know, hidden, but the thing is fucking 10 feet tall. Yeah. It's giant. You can't just hide it. Just put it in the tree line. It's fine. You're not going to see it among the trees. In the photos, <laughs> it's not covered in a tarp, but I swear I read in one article that it had a bright blue tarp covering it. It probably did. It's probably one of those Canadian tire yeah. tarps you can get. So like, obviously you're in 
a fucking on a farm and you're looking around where everything's brown and kind just, of green because it's the beginning of May where not everything's bloomed yet. And then there's a bright blue thing that's 10 feet tall in the tree line. I just want to be like, hey, Dylan, you know, they sell duck blinds, right? You can get those shit in camo if you want to. He's just so lazy. So, yes, they, you know, hide the eliminator in the tree line. And uh, we know that they put on these black gloves and they moved it because I think Christina said that's what happened. But then it was further confirmed by DNA samples taken from the gloves because, yes, Dylan's a fucking dumbass. And in the in the SUV that he was driving when he was arrested, the gloves were still in the SUV. So they obviously took them and tested them and... Della and Christina and Tim's DNA were on these gloves. Amazing. Christina has also been adamant and maintains that when Dellen was telling her, like, we have to move the eliminator. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's like, why? This thing's huge, number one. And number two, why? <laughs> yeah. She's adamant that he said that they were moving it because the floorboards had been creaking. So it was like, we got to get it out of here. The floorboards are creaking. Oh, my God. We got to hide it in the tree line. So it makes sense. So with the eliminator hidden in the tree line, it was yep. now the early morning hours of May 10th. And before the, before they could finish up at the farm, I mean, after they finished up at the farm and before they could go back home to Dylan's house, who's in Etobicoke, because mm-hmm. they're just going back and forth. He told Christina that they had to make a quick stop at Matt Hagerman's house. Matt Hagerman is the friend that helped in the missions and drove Dellen around when he was uh, had no license. Right. <laughs> Matt hadn't heard from Dellen in a few weeks at that point. Then all of a sudden, his phone is blowing up and he has all these missed calls and missed texts from Christina. And at first he's like, this is weird. Like I haven't even heard from Dellen in weeks. Why am I getting all these messages from Christina? Well, and he quickly realized they're not from Christina. It's Dellen using her phone. Yeah. And Dellen had wrote that he was, quote, feeling some heat and asked Matt if he could, quote, hold on to some items. Matt texted. Can you tell me what these toys are so I can prepare myself? It's <laughs> not. Sorry, wrong text. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> um. I think before I keep going with the text exchange, I think that if when you have a friend that texts you and just says, I'm feeling some heat, can you hide some items? And you're you're going on these missions with him regularly. I think he just assumed he had stolen some shit and needed to hide it. Yeah, that's fair. But it's just cringy when you're like, can you tell me what these toys are so I can prepare these, myself? These are children. Yes, these are absolutely like mentally man, seven at best. Man boys. <laughs> so ridiculous yes matt's like what are these toys and Dellen says a toolbox matt haha full of guns Dellen, dot 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 so, and then yeah. and then later uh, like after dot 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 Dellen just texts two like the number two mm-hmm. so i don't know is it Two, two guns. guns? Is it two toolboxes? Is it two minutes? He'll be there in two? Not sure. Matt didn't ask. 
um, you know, about the toolbox, what's in the toolbox. But he probably thought he didn't need to ask because he knew that toolbox well. Anyone that knew Dellen knew that toolbox because it's where Dellen kept all his drugs. Mm -hmm. It's that black and yellow Stanley toolbox that I had mentioned where when he was selling to his, you know, high school clientele, (laughs) he would keep all of his drugs in it. So Dellen pulls up to Matt's house in the SUV. It's around 4 a.m. at this point on May 10th. Christina's in the passenger seat. She's just chilling there. Dellen gets out. He hands over the black and yellow toolbox. It's fastened with a small padlock. And Matt's obviously like, "It's what's up? It's 4 a.m. Like, <laughs> it's really late. You just want me to take this toolbox? Like, okay. And Dellen's like, it's better if you don't know. Yeah, he's really cool. He's like, oh, what's up? Such a loser. Meanwhile, he's probably got his phone in his pocket, and so does his fucking girlfriend. Right. (laughs) At four in the morning. Yeah. So he's like, it's better if you don't know. And he just, like, tells Matt to hang on to the toolbox for a couple weeks tops. And Christina said that she's, like, looking out the car, and she can see, like, Matt and Dylan just being dumbasses. They're laughing the whole time. Like, everything's cool and normal. They're just having a a grand old exchange. Yep. So Matt took the toolbox and he just hid it in his parents' basement and then went to bed because he lives with his parents too. And I mean, he might have just thought it's loaded up with drugs like it always was. Who knows? Who knows if he was aware there was a gun? I don't know. But he just hid it in the basement. I feel like he does. Like, I know that we can be like, well, I know like if you if in like a court case, you'd be like, that too could mean anything. But, like, put yourself in that shoes and you got that text and you said, what is it, filled with guns? And he goes, dot, dot, dot. That means yes. And the two means two. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. anyway. I'm I, not sure, though. I really am not sure because we'll keep talking about it and it doesn't seem like there's two guns. Yeah, this is the only other thing I was thinking was, like, where did he get a second gun? Yeah. But, like, then I was also thinking, like, it could mean, like, like I, the also, dot, who dot, gives dot a means fuck because yes. Dylan is an absolute loser who would put dot 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 so that his friends think he's so fucking cool he has a toolbox full of guns. That's like, also true. All of yeah. it. Yeah. Regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Dylan. Yeah. The next day is May 11th. And this is the day that Dylan was arrested, you know, thanks to his dumbass ambition tattoo. Yep. <laughs> So when Mark Smitch found out that Dylan was arrested, he called Andrew Mikelski in a panic because Andrew's a mutual friend of Dylan, but Mark needed Andrew, who was living in Dylan's house. He Mark needed him to get the drugs out of the house. Andrew rounded up everything he could find and he put it into a blue Under Armour backpack. Okay. Andrew texted Matt about the toolbox and said that Dylan would want it all to go to Mark. So Matt was like, ugh, because he wanted nothing to do with Mark. He did not like him. He thought he was bad news. Already annoyed that he even had to deal with Mark Smitch. Mm -hmm. But he reluctantly agreed because then he could drop off the toolbox. He could get it 
off of him and the backpack. Andrew obviously wanted to give the backpack over and they agreed that they would drop it off in Oakville. And Matt was like, I'll do it as long as you come with me because I don't want to go and see Mark alone. That's fair. But Andrew hadn't told Matt everything. Like he did not tell Matt that Dylan had been arrested. So all Matt knew is that Mark wants the toolbox and Andrew has a backpack Mark wants as well. I'll help you out. Drop it off. So he pretty much got fucking set up. Yeah, he had no idea. Yeah, he had no idea that Dylan had been arrested mm-hmm. and Mark basically wanted all of the drugs. Yeah. Matt quickly found out that Dylan had been arrested because the two of them Matt and Andrew, they get in the car, they're driving down the highway to Oakville, and Matt turns on the radio, and then over the radio, it's like, Tim Bosma still missing, Dallin Millard, prime suspect. Like, oh my God, over the radio. So Matt freaked out. Yeah. He immediately pulled off the highway, and he was like, I'm not fucking doing whatever we're doing right now. Like, You seem to Andrew, he's like, you seem way too cool about all of this, which means you fucking know that Dylan is arrested. So Andrew and Mark Smitch had agreed on this drop site to bring the toolbox and the backpack. And Matt was like, fuck that. I am not going and meeting Mark Smitch. I am not. I don't want any of this anymore. I don't want the shit in my car. I'm not doing this. So he just goes to a strip mall that was nearby. And in the strip mall, there's like. A maintenance stairwell you know how sometimes there's just a random stairwell that's like going down yeah yeah he's okay. like perfect i'm putting your shit in that stairwell backpack toolbox hides it in that stairwell tells andrew you tech you text mark if he wants his shit so bad he can go and get it from that stairwell because i'm yeah. not meeting him i'm not dropping this shit off i'm i don't want any part of this yeah well i mean like he kind of dropped it off for him to pick up but hey i know where he's going with this okay he has no idea yeah, yeah. he's like no he got he got fucked i i'm holding on to a toolbox that i've seen since 2007 it's the same toolbox that all it's ever had in it is some pot and mdma mm-hmm. i have no idea there's potentially a gun in here i don't like mark smitch i don't want anything to do with him i had no idea Dylan is arrested let alone for the Tim Bosma disappearance. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my god damn. Yeah. Everybody get the fuck out of my car. Leave me alone. Yep. Since Stellan's arrest, Mark had been hiding out in Marlena's sister's apartment, Marlena's his girlfriend, because he was obviously afraid that he would be arrested next. And he can't really just be at his mom's house where he lives because that's so easy to surveil. So he's hiding away. Um, instead of going to get the toolbox and the backpack himself, he sent a friend to grab them because he was afraid that he'd get arrested. Mm-hmm. According to Mark, he thought that he was just getting the backpack full of drugs because that is what he had asked Andrew. Yo, Andrew, Dallin's arrested. You live in the same house as him. There's drugs all over the place. Load him up with that backpack and bring it to me. And he says that he only wanted all of the drugs because Marlena wanted it. I have no idea. He's a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. And he was adamant, Mark was adamant, that the toolbox 
wasn't a part of the plan. It wasn't a part of anything. Then you have Andrew who is saying that Mark specifically asked for the toolbox. Mm -hmm. But honestly, who knows? We don't know. It's it's he said, he said. Um, Personally, I have no idea because I don't know if Mark knew that Matt actually had the toolbox. I don't know how Andrew would have known that Dylan gave Matt the toolbox unless they were all talking about the toolbox. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say because maybe Andrew just assumed that Mark would want the toolbox because everybody knows that's where drugs are. So if Mark is saying, get, get all the drugs out of the house, then you might think like, I guess that means the toolbox because for almost fucking 10 years, basically we've had drugs in this toolbox. Yeah. But then it's like, how would you know that the toolbox wasn't even in the house? It was with Matt. Yeah. It's all, I don't fucking know if Mm -hmm. Mark knew he was getting the toolbox or not. If he asked for it, if if he didn't. Regardless, he got the toolbox. Um, I also don't know if anyone knew there was a gun in there. I think most people really did assume there was drugs. Mm-hmm. but doesn't really matter because Mark got that toolbox. Of course he broke that lock off and was going in it probably just to sell dr- the drugs out of it. But of course he cracks it open and he finds Dellen's Walther PPK. Mm-hmm. So there's one gun in there. Right. Okay. It's the gun that Mark helped Dellen get from Matthew Ward Jackson. And it's also the gun that is believed to, have been used to kill Tim. Right. Mark apparently tried to sell the gun. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, I got stuck with this toolbox I didn't ask for. And there's a fucking gun in it. And it's hot. And I had to get rid of it. So I tried to sell it. But he says he quickly realized that he wasn't going to make a lot of money for it. Even though he wanted to obviously make a lot of money. Yeah. So he just went and he hid it at his mom's house instead. This guy's a fucking idiot. Like, I just feel like I just keep saying that, but like, (laughs) here's a gun involved in a homicide and you wanted to sell it first and then you can't sell it. So you hide it at your mom's place. Yeah. And every other reasonable person would have been like, one, never have done this shit. Two, probably would have tried to dispose of the gun. You know? Well, yes, we'll get to that. Okay. Of the disposing of the gun. So... By this point, you have Mark, who's losing his damn mind with paranoia that he's about to get arrested and stuck with a gun that he didn't know he would have, didn't want, tried to sell, couldn't sell, whatever. While all that's happening, the Hamilton police had been working with a surveillance team. They had started to tail Mark. They were watching him as he made his way around Oakville. They'd been watching him for about a week when on the morning of May 22nd, as we know, he got arrested. Mm-hmm. So he's riding his BMX bike oh on a highway overpass with oh, Marlena. my God. And the police arrested him for first degree murder. And he's like trying to be like cool, like whatever, getting handcuffed. And then he looks over and he sees that Marlena is also getting handcuffed. So he lost his fucking mind. And he just started screaming, don't tell them anything, babe. Don't tell them anything, babe. Don't tell them anything, babe. Oh, like, my God. Over and over again, just repeatedly screaming that. Yeah. Like and, a fucking tool. And the cops were probably just resisting the urge to just huck him over the overpass. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Oh, no. Ugh. 
I bet he sounded like that. On a BMX bike on an overpass. <laughs> yeah. That just makes so much sense. Yeah, he's like 25. Yeah, he's way too old for that shit. It's ridiculous. He's yeah. probably got like hot pink spray paint in his backpack, oh in his Jansport. Yeah. <laughs> These people are just like caricatures. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, I don't think I've ever cringed so hard Yeah. in my research and my writing it's insane yeah like i want to beat all these people up i know they're just absolutely just like so obviously just shit people losers yeah nothing going on in their life stupid as all fuck (laughs) just amazing so uh, mark's arrested don't tell them anything babe (laughs) during questioning mark was repeatedly asked about the gun and he insisted that he didn't have it. He did not have that gun anymore because he buried it. He bu- so he, he obviously was he buried it. Yeah, he buried it. And it was because a friend suggested to him that he bury it. So he was talking to whoever about the gun, probably the guy that he had sent to go and get it because he was too afraid to leave the apartment. Mm-hmm. So he probably sent whoever to go and pick up the backpack and the toolbox. Naturally, that guy was probably like, What's in it? Why did I have to pick that up? It's so random. And then he was like, there's a gun in it and they can't sell it. And the guy was like, you should bury it. I literally made all of that up. I don't know if that's how yeah, it Yeah, happened. yeah, But that's probably how it fucking went down. These people, have, there's just a network of underground idiots yep. running through the GTA right now. Yep. With these dumbass fucking gun, <laughs> pot gun pipes. <laughs> fucking shit tattoos all over them. A oh, the BMX worst. bike and... Just hanging around over overpasses. Graffiti and shit at an age that's far too old. Yeah, way too old. Way too old. Ridiculous. So, running yeah. Running around doing missions. I don't know. It's like a got my walkie crap. Walkie. It's like a Walmart GTA, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> when, you, when you order G- Grand Theft Auto off Wish, you get some <laughs> fucking idiot just running around on the overpass with his girlfriend. <laughs> Don't tell him anything, babe. Oh. Babe. Babe, don't tell him anything. That's pathetic. <laughs> so, yes, Mark is in questioning. They're like, where the fuck is the gun? And he's like, I don't have the gun. I buried it. But they're like, where'd you bury it? And he's like, I don't remember where I buried it. He said that he could not remember where he buried this because he was on his BMX bike, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what direction he rode in. He didn't know how long. He didn't know what the streets were that he took. He could not recognize or remember any landmarks. Nothing. He had no idea where he buried this gun. I don't know if that's true. Probably not true. No. Straight up, we never find out where this gun is. Like, we don't know where this gun went, where he buried it, if he truly forgot where he buried it, if it's even true that he did bury it, like maybe he managed to sell it and didn't want to come clean about it. Honestly, who knows? Mm -hmm. But this gun is at this point non-existent. I mean, it definitely was existent, but Mark buried it. Yep. And we don't know. So now at this point in our story, in this case, we've... uh, now both we've done it what the heck is that i'm not even cutting that what is that now both we've done it now both we've done it money me now i don't know what that was supposed 
to to be. <laughs> now both we've done it. We've reached the point both perspective. I was broken by the end of this episode. Clearly, are you okay? Yeah. What, That's what happened? What I wrote. Wow. Now both we've done it. We've reached the point both perspective. Okay. okay. Dudes, basically, it's the end of this episode. Mm. We've done it. We've reached the point um, where I think what I'm trying to say is that we've done both perspectives. Part one and part of part two was the timeline of like from Tim selling his truck, going missing from the test drive down to when the arrests happen. And then the other perspective that I had said that we would like flip on his head was looking at the same events, but from Dellen and Mark's movements. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I was trying to and write. And in summary, there. why use many word when few word do trick? Basically, that's <laughs> what my brain was telling me by the end of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what we've done. We've got uh, both Dellen Millard and Mark Smitch in jail. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's it for part three. <laughs> I have never been more flabbergasted that these people existed in my life. Yeah, you've never just... stared at me so intently while I've been telling you. A I case. was picturing it. Sorry, like I was like legitimately like picturing these people. I'm glad that's and what I'm trying to do here. Is ever since tell you gave me, ever since you showed me the photo of the one rapper with the fucking bald head tattoo, oh, yeah. with the Gerber baby face, that's gonna haunt me to my fucking days. Like, oh. Anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was like, do I have a picture of Mark Smitch? Not a good one. Mm. This is him. I don't even know. if I, I think I've seen. Oh, that you can't photo. even see him in that. No, I don't have a good one saved yet. This one's OK. All right. He looks emo as hell in this one. Well, this these him. people are just perpetual teenage phases. This is him while he was skateboarding. And when the Hamilton police were like watching him before they arrested him. Oh, uh, that checks out. Yeah, he just looks miserable. These people look fucking gross. Well, yeah, now that you said that, it's like GTA from Wish. Like, they it, actually do look like that. They, yeah, it's the only way I can sum it up. <laughs> like, ridiculous. He has a chin strap. Like, that's all you need to know. That's and no disgusting. real discernible chin either. Like, it's a weak ass chin. Ew. Yeah. It's like if if Toby McGuire had an uncle with a drug problem. That's not even you're just saying that to hurt my feelings. No, I genuinely believe I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you're being a dick right now. So um that's it. I mean, all of you you're stuck with all that info. You gotta digest it. You've learned a lot about Dellen, you've learned quite a bit about mark mm -hmm. there's a picture for you all right what's that beeping that doo -doo. oh my laptop's about to die oh good yeah. so want me to wrap this up okay so we'll be back next week with part four and we'll talk about um Dylan's time in jail a bit some of his really amazing letters that he's written it'll be so fun oh boy and then i think we'll get into the trial for tim bosma's murder so that's probably what's going to happen next week okay but you're only going to know if you actually tune in to find out in the meantime while you're waiting for part 4 
You can see photos related to this case. It's on Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. Dark Out Patient Podcast. Yeah. You want to see like some sources? You want to buy us a coffee? You want to buy a patch? You want to visit our website? That's where you do all that. Talkadaptationpodcast.ca. And just thanks for tuning in to this fucking wicked deep dive. Yeah. Into the crimes of Dallin Millard. Make sure you come back next week for part four, where we will catch you on the dark side. Bye. Yes, it's like a freestyle session with no lesson, no question. I'm killing you in possessions. It's mine. I'm a killer. Check my design. Mountains I climb and throw you off, too. Yeah.